Any successful plan requires wisdom and preparation, and retirement is no different. It's time for the Plan Wise Retire Free Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome into this edition of Plan Wise Retire Free. We appreciate you tuning into the podcast. As always, Mark Killian here once again, co-hosting along with the fantastic fellows of Jude Wilson and Mike Mott joining me again. Guys, welcome in. Jude, how are you, bud? Man, I'm feeling fabulous. I've been traveling a lot, and it's just good to be home. Oh, all good. Yeah, travel can uh, definitely wear and tear on you. How about you, Mike? I'm doing great. You know, if... Um if I look outside, the sun is shining, the skies are blue, the temperature is 56 degrees. All right. I just saw on this morning that they said they were having mild weather in uh, Minnesota at 34 degrees. <laughs> I am living the dream. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm a former Michigander, so I'm with you on that too. So I'm, I'm good. Uh, my buddy, my best friend from high school still lives there, and uh, he likes to send me messages and go, I hate the weather. And I'm like, well, move. I don't want to move. <laughs> I was like, well, all right. It's a choice. It's a choice. That's right. Every there's life's full of them. Well, cool. Let's get into today's show. We got a lot of stuff to talk about. And uh, obviously, you know, we're into the new year. It's uh, we're into February uh, at the time of this podcast taping. The Super Bowl is just in a couple of days. So any bold predictions, you guys, football fans at all? I'm a, I'm a football fan, but I'm mainly a college fan. I, I watch the Super Bowl because everybody watches the Super Bowl. Absolutely. Well, I'm going to go with the Chiefs just because they haven't won it in 50 years. So that's what I'm going to do. Well, you might want to go there, but San Francisco's going to win. You know, they, the number one defense tends to win in these things, don't they, against the number one offense? Yeah. Yeah, so it's entirely possible. But I'm going to, I'm going to pull for them anyway, so we'll see what happens. But all right, well, let's get into this week's show. And uh, IRS contributions, guys, uh, limit changes, correct? There, there were some bump-ups this year. You guys want to kind of break down some of that stuff for us? Yeah, Mikey, as we've talked about before, it looks like uh, the IRS has been kind of consistent in raising some of the limits. And not to divulge my age, but I'm kind of excited uh, for the first time that I get to contribute a little bit more. (laughs) So that's 50 plus, correct? Well, thanks for divulging my age. (laughs) Well, we got to educate the folks there, Jude. Come on now. (laughs) Mike, what what do you think about the the contribution limits? Well, you know, it obviously gives people, you know, uh, the new limit, 6,000 for people that aren't of the magic age of 50, and then over 50 is 7,000, which is going to help people to put a little more money toward their retirement, which we know um, because there's such low savings rate, that's going to be a, a great incentive. And of course, the 401ks went up again, another 500 bucks to 19.5, and if you're over 50 now, you can put $26,000 in your 401k, which I think is awesome. Yeah. 26000 over, let's say, if you just turn 50 over a 15-year window to get to 65, that's nothing to sneeze at. And typically what we see is by the time people hit around 50, they're making the highest income that they've had in their career. The kids are usually either graduating from college or just recently graduated. And they've got this 10-year window where they really want to get serious about planning for their retirement. So this offers them a great opportunity to stick a lot of money away. Yeah. That's a good point. Well, I was thinking, you know, that I call when you said they finally get serious. I call it their boomer bell is ringing. (laughs) Suddenly they start to think, oh, my goodness, I need to start. So by giving uh, these increases, it really gives them a chance to do a good catch-up. 
No, that's a great point. So that's good to know. So again, to recap for our listeners, uh, there are contribution increases. Uh, what is it? 6,000 for any type of IRA uh, to, and uh, 7,000 if you're going to be 50 or older. And uh, from 19, was it 19.5, I think, to 26,000 is going to be on the 401ks. And Jude, you know, don't feel bad, buddy. I'm nipping at your heels. I'll be 49 this year. So I'm right there. <laughs> <laughs> so no worries there. All right. Well, if you've got questions about contribution limits for the IRS and things that how that might change, if you're currently working with Jude and Mike, make sure you check with them if you're going to make any adjustments or have a conversation. If you're not, reach out and let them know that you would like to more, some more information on how to best prepare for your own retirement and make sure that you're getting set up for those things. So give them a call if you want to at 800-779-4592. You can also send an email to the show or to them specifically at planwiseretirefreepodcast.com. That's planwiseretirefreepodcast.com. And speaking of... We've got some email questions. So let's dive in and see what we got this week from Beth. She says, guys, I could sell the house right now for 500000 I only owe about 100000 So here's my dilemma. I'm 57, and I'm thinking about selling it, getting a smaller place, and then using the extra cash to retire now. Do you think it could be a bad idea? Hmm. What do you think, dude? You know, we say this a lot on the show, and it may start to get old, but it depends. It really depends on the other assets that you've saved up, Beth, uh, what type of income that you need in retirement. But I got to congratulate you from getting to this point where you owe so little left on your home. It gives you flexibility. Mike, what would you say to her in this situation? Well, again, the, the, I could argue both sides of the equation depending on her situation. Um, you know, the first one would be if you have a lot of longevity in your family, you got to understand that this retirement's going to last almost as long as you're al- you've been alive. Uh, so uh, with that, with the inflation risk and the longevity risk, you're going to have to do one of the things that I always say, and everybody gets tired of hearing this one, but you have to do the math. And when you do long-term projections like this, just understand that there's more risk because you're doing long-term projections. But, you know, if you have six other significant assets, then, you know, certainly I like the idea of saying I can retire. But a lot of times the question is, do you really want to retire or do you just want to change jobs to do something else that's less stressful, maybe? Uh, so there's a lot of things to consider, uh, both financially and emotionally. Well, so Beth, come and see us. Yeah, there you go. I was going to ask you guys, let me play devil's advocate for her for a second. So she's thinking about using the extra money. Let's say, you know, she's she's obviously got to take some out to buy a new place, as she mentions. So let's say it's a couple hundred thousand and she gets to add to it. The thing that stuck out at me is she's 57. Has she thought, and she may have because she didn't address it, but has she thought about the healthcare aspect? Because that's a long time before you get to 65. Absolutely. I mean, I'll argue both sides of that equation to okay. say it's only money. Yes. So, you know, if you can put in your budget, the cost for the health insurance aspect of that to get from 57 to 65, again, you just incorporate that in the math. It's not, it's not the decision point. You don't let the tail wag the dog. Okay. And this is a big tail now. So uh, <laughs> when, when it comes to healthcare costs, uh, but, you know, again, if you have the money to pay it and that's what you want to do and you've done the math, then it's fine. But I would caution you to say you really need to think long and term, long and hard about the math and make sure that you've taken the time to consider all the aspects of that. 
All right. Well, there you go. So, Beth, I don't know if that was on your radar, but I thought I would play devil's advocate. And that's a good response there from the guys. So if you've got some questions, again, let them know. Obviously, you do because you sent one into the show, and we appreciate that. So reach out and get on the calendar and have a chat with them. We certainly would appreciate it. All right. Next question is from Dave. Dave says, I really like the company I work for, guys. I feel really confident about future potential and growth. How much company stock is too much to own in my 401k? Well, you know, I have some definite feelings about this. I usually talk to clients and say, you know, your income is dependent on the company. And uh, a lot of your financial security right now is dependent on the company. You know, I, I usually encourage people, I like them to maybe buy some company stock through a stock purchase plan. But I'm not a real big fan of, of putting in the 401k as well. I do think, you know, we talk about diversifying. And this is important to know that, you know, you need to diversify companies because there are a lot of wonderful companies and we can name a bunch of them that, you know, just prior to them having a major problem sounded like they were awesome companies. Uh, So uh, I like to diversify. And so I would encourage maybe uh, I like the stock purchase side, but I'm not a big fan of owning it in the 401k. I'd rather diversify. I've got to agree with Mike when, when I was working on my NBA, it was right after the Enron crisis. And before the Enron crisis, there were Enron millionaires, people who did not go to college. They went right from high school, worked for Enron, and built up millions of dollars just by buying company stock. And so if you had talked to an employee about a year or two before the crisis, they would have told you, Heck no, I'm not doing anything else but putting in Enron stock in my 401k and my stock purchase plan. Well, we all know what happened. Enron failed, and those people who were Enron millionaires had a harsh reality that they had to deal with. So is it a good idea to buy company stock? If you feel good in the company, they've got a long track record, absolutely. Is it a good idea to have a high percentage of your money in the company stock? Absolutely not. Diversification is probably one of the most important fundamentals of good investment planning. All right, Dave, thanks so much for the question. And yeah, you know, definitely have a conversation, come in and have a chat. Uh, You know, the guys make some great points here and uh, you just have to be careful. And as much as you love it and the future growth and all that stuff is great. Again, yeah, I'm sure a lot of people thought the same thing about other companies that they kind of touched on as well. So just be smart and don't put, you know, as grandma said, don't put all your eggs in one basket. All right. So Lisa says, guys, I really like to meet with a financial advisor, but my husband says that we do just fine handling our investments on our own. Is it all right to continue on without help? Well, I, I tell you, I think as Americans, sometimes we tend to forget past pains. Lisa could be doing very well and your husband could be absolutely right. You're, you've been doing very well. The last 10 years has been an incredible bull market. And a lot of people believe that I can do this on my own. And some people absolutely can. But what goes up must come down. The market has cycles. And the best thing that I've seen, the most successful people who have planned for their financial future have done actually that. They have a plan. Like Mike says, do the math. Well, they have a plan that goes along with the math. So I would say to you, Lisa, if your husband uh, hasn't sat down and helped you put together a plan, then you may want to see a professional because this 10-year bull run 
is not going to last forever. And you need to know what you're going to do to produce the income that you want in retirement. I'm going to take a moment and get on the soapbox. Because there are so many times when I've talked to somebody, what do you do? I'm a financial advisor. Oh, I already have an investment guy. Mm, okay. L- ladies and gentlemen, investments are a tool in a big box of tools that a financial advisor should use. If you're a holistic wealth manager, a holistic financial advisor, you talk about investments, of course, but not first. There's risk, there is cash flow, there is retirement planning, there is insurance planning, there's estate planning, there's tax planning. There's so many more things that a, that a holistic financial advisor does and investments is just one of those things. So handling our investments, maybe they're doing fine handling their investments, but there's so many other parts of a financial plan that they may not be addressing. And sometimes I like to tell people, you know, sometimes you don't know, you don't know. And getting with a good financial advisor, they might be able to point out places in your financial plan where there are big holes and big risks that you need to deal with. And those big holes and those big risks could destroy the investments in a different way. Yeah. And I mean, that's some really good things to think about and consider there. And it is, we've said many times here on the show that it is such a different animal. Now, Lisa doesn't mention her age or what her and her husband's age are, but you know, switching from, and kind of Jude touched on a little bit, you know, over the last 10 years, it's probably been pretty easy to handle, especially if you're just growing. But when you go to distribution and preservation, it just, there's just so many more facets to it. Absolutely. Yeah. So a lot of things to consider in there, Lisa. So great question. Uh, And I would say, you know, sit down and have a conversation, bring your husband in, go through the initial consultation with an advisor and just see how he feels about it from there. I mean, most of the time there's no cost or obligation to do it. So have a chat, bring him in and see how, uh, you know, see how he responds to it. You may find uh, that he's more open to it once he's gone through it than he actually thinks. So lots of ways to consider that. All right. Well, in the interest of time, we're going to just skip and do one more here. We're going to hit our final email question this week. And it's from Cliff. Cliff says, guys, I told myself once I hit a million dollars in the portfolio that I would start pulling things off the table and move to some cash. But I'm at a million, and now I'm kind of thinking with the way the market's been, I could squeak out 1.2 million before <laughs> I make that move. Uh, what do you think? I think, Cliff, my opinion is you got that devil on the one side and the angel on the other, right? Absolutely. Cliff has done very well, but my question to you is if next month, that one million goes to eight hundred thousand. What are you going to do then? But in all seriousness, that is one of the main reasons we love bucket planning, and to have that now, soon, and later bucket. If Cliff had those buckets defined, he would not be asking this question at the moment. What do you think, Mike? Well, that's true. If if you have the now, soon, and later bucket uh, defined, and the million dollars is the investment in the later bucket, and you know I have kind of one response, but if all you have is the million-dollar portfolio, I have a completely different response because there will be some money that you need now. There will be some money that you're going to need sooner rather than later, and that money is at huge risk uh, when you're sitting all in an investment portfolio if the market changes direction. 
and that will make you make irrational decisions. Uh, I love what Jude said, you know, it goes from a million to 800,000. And so you're at the decision point. Do I stick around to go back to a million and half the people will go yes? And then it goes to 600,000 and they want to shoot themselves. Or the person, you know, would say, heck, I'm getting out and then the market moves back up. You make irrational decisions if you're worried about market timing. Uh, and the bucket plan can relieve that. It can make your some of the stress go away if the market goes down. But sometimes moving a lot of money to cash sounds like market timing to me. And uh, I've not found anybody that's uh, smart enough to do market timing successfully. Yeah. You've got to be. You've got to be right twice. You got to be right when you pull the trigger, and you've got to be right when you hop back in. And you know, even a broken clock is right twice a day. But I haven't seen anybody be successful very much more than that. Uh, the last thing that I'll say on this is, I've said before, we tend to forget previous past pains. I've been fortunate in my career to experience two bear markets. In 2007, the market was doing great and people were you know, very successful, but they didn't know 2008 was coming around the corner. And for those people that didn't have a bucket plan or, or had their money allocated properly. It was a real shock when their statements started going down and down and down. So I, I would strongly suggest to Cliff to to see somebody talk about a bucket plan and really have defined goals. All right. Well, there you go. Great questions this week here on the show. We appreciate you sending those in, folks. Continue to do so. We always appreciate that. You can go to planwiseretirefreepodcast.com. That is planwiseretirefreepodcast.com. You can certainly subscribe to the podcast from there, whether it's on Apple, Google, Spotify, iHeart, or Stitcher, whatever platform you choose. You can always just search them out on those apps if you happen to be on your Apple app and you want to check it out and subscribe to it. Just type in planwiseretirefree in the search box there and that'll pop up. You can do it more multiple different ways, again, depending on whatever app that you use. And, uh, you know, it's got to be, as uh, Jude was saying, you got to be right twice. Well, if you want to be right twice, at least come in and have a conversation with Jude and Mike. You'll be right when you shake each one's hand and say hi. And I guarantee you at least be right then. And of course, the guys will go through the process with you, sit down, have a chat with you and see if they can help you out, get to and through retirement. And the biggest thing really is to take some action and do so. So if you're already working with them, kudos to you. If you're not, and you've got this through a different friend or someone sent this to you, or you've heard us in a different way on the podcast, Give them a call, come in, have a chat with them, sit down and have a conversation. They serve out uh, throughout the Florida area. Got an office in Orlando and Bradenton, 800-779-4592. That's how you reach out to them. As always, guys, thanks for your time. I appreciate it. Mike, Jude, take care of yourselves, and we will see you next time here on Plan Wise, Retire Free. Have a good one. Take care. The preceding program is sponsored by Jude Wilson and Mike Mott, which is solely responsible for its content.